0: Scrub him because he's a little green, he's got some algae growth on him, and you can really see it because he's white. We're on a normal alligator, you wouldn't be able to see some of that because they're green. Claude, touch. And he doesn't mind this at all. Sometimes you'll even see him like close his eyes and like it looks like he quite enjoys it.
1: He looks kind of like he just got his first cup of coffee. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It was a cold morning. He needed a little waking up. Claude, touch. Claude,
1: all done. Claude, touch? You just heard Emma Cosina and Jessica Witherley feeding Claude the albino alligator at California Academy of Sciences. That's Claude the trained alligator. Heather, who knew Claude follows more commands than a border collie?
2: I had no idea. It was fascinating to watch him get his weekly feed. He only eats once a week, which I felt bad for him about, but apparently that's normal for... Alligators, um, and he ate a breakfast of rats and trout heads. Breakfast of champions.
1: Delicious. Um, This is the first episode of Animal Month on Total SF, where we'll feature animal-themed episodes throughout March, But most importantly, we'll choose the official animal of SF. How does San Francisco, city of St. Francis, the patron saint of animals, not have an official animal at this point?
2: I don't know. I figured that we were wrong and that someone somewhere had named an official animal of San Francisco. But I doggedly did some research, and there is no official animal of San Francisco. It's a huge omission and one that we need to fix.
1: Uh, Doggedly, I heard that one, Heather. It's funny how you make the dad jokes, but I'm the dad.
2: There needs to be a genre of mom jokes because I'm quite good at them.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Um, We have a list of 16 animals that we'll cut in half each week until we crown our champion. We're
2: not cutting the animals in half, Peter.
1: (laughs) Okay. We will cut the list in half every week until we crown our champion. Listeners can start voting early next week at sfchronicle.com slash animal month and we really struggled over this list. This nearly caused a total SF divorce.
2: <laughs> yeah, you were really intent on corgis being one of the 16, which I just thought was kind of random. I mean, I know they're more popular now, but I thought we should go for the broader category of dog. There's the famous you know, San Francisco mantra that we have more dogs than children. Nobody ever says we have more corgis than children, but you were adamant it had to be corgis specifically.
1: I say there are more corgis than children. Um, (laughs) Let's just name our final 16 and we'll continue fighting. Albino alligator, Australian lungfish, bison, mission blue butterflies, corgis, coyotes, (laughs) crabs, goats, great white sharks, pelicans, penguins, raccoons, San Francisco garter snake, I didn't even know that existed, sea lions, seagulls, and wild parrots.
2: Woohoo, that's quite a list. We solicited help from our Twitter followers who told us some of those, like the garter snake, which is shockingly beautiful. So yeah, I think we have a great list and we need help to winnow it down to number one.
1: Yeah, raccoons, pelicans, crabs, and the garter snake came from listeners. We picked mission blue butterflies, replacing lemurs. There was a lot of feedback. People wanted fewer captive animals. And I think all of our animals are either out in the wild or were part of a breeding program. And corgis over dogs. I think CorgiCon the twice-annual event at Ocean Beach has made Corgi a good stand-in dog instead of just dogs. Just I'm voting <laughs> for dogs. I'm voting for Corgis. <laughs> and I think our listeners agree. There were a lot of calls for Corgis on social media.
2: Well, we'll get more feedback on that. I know a lot of people love their dogs who are not Corgis in San Francisco. So I'm sure this fight will continue.
1: Yeah. Um, I wish people could have seen it behind the scenes because we're like – between herons and pelicans and mission blue butterflies and pocket gophers pocket gophers got knocked off the list um there was a lot of negotiating going on my editor sarah feldberg was kind of like mediating between the two of (laughs) us it got really ugly behind the scenes but ultimately overall i'm thrilled with this list i think we're going to get a really good animal out of it
2: me too and we want somebody at city hall to take this under their wing after we've <laughs> named number one and um, introduce legislation actually making this the official animal of San Francisco. So if any politician out there is actually fun, let us know and we will partner with you on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of important things going on in San Francisco, but this is also a fun city And it's always been that way. There have always been issues in SF, and there's always been fun to be had. And we're going to take care of the fun part of it this month. Um, I heard the under the wing thing, Heather. You're out of control.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to turn my microphone off, huh? Uh,
1: Look for voting early next week at sfchronicle.com slash animal month. For now, we learn about Claude the albino alligator with Academy biologist Emma Cosina. A-plus guest. Speaking of divorces, this episode is worth the listen just to learn about Claude and Bonnie, which is reality TV-style drama, Real Housewives of the Cal Academy.
2: (laughs) I was shocked by this story. It is very... Interesting. And I learned in my research for a column also out today. Check it out on sfchronicle.com that our beloved former science editor David Perlman covered this alligator divorce in several stories.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a great story. Animal Month is here. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight. Salute to the mighty San Francisco Corgi, and this is total SF. Thank you very much.
2: Emma Cosina, welcome to Total SF, and thank you for just showing us how Claude, the albino alligator at the Academy of Sciences, gets fed. Only on Wednesdays, we learned.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, It's rare that people get to see that, so it was a special morning.
2: Yes, he had a lovely breakfast of rats and trout heads. Yes. That's what I had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, March is Animal Month on our Total SF podcast, and Claude gets the honor of being featured in the very first episode of the month, so this is a pretty big deal. Nice. And we're also having listeners vote on which animal should be the official animal of San Francisco. Are you casting your vote for Claude? Oh, yes, 100%. And what other animals do you think should be contenders? Oh, I mean, uh,
0: I did hear some... um, Talk about Methuselah, who's also here at um, the Academy because she's one of the oldest fish we have. She's, like, over 90 years old. Um, So she's definitely a contender. Um, And then I also had heard the uh,
2: parrots of Telegraph
0: Hill. I, I think that's probably pretty good, but I... I would put my vote for Claude, (laughs) but we'll talk more. So sell us
2: on Claude. Give us the 30-second elevator pitch on why he should be the official animal of San Um, Francisco.
0: Well, I found out last night he has his own Wikipedia page. Oh, my gosh. I've got to do some fact-checking on that, but he does have his own Wikipedia page. Um, You can buy, like, a a four-foot-long, like, stuffy of him here, and I think (laughs) that's pretty iconic, and he's also on T-shirts. Um, Yeah. And people know my name and I think that's really cool. And people come back to see him.
2: Awesome.
1: Well, I feel like we know Claude a lot better now. Watched the feeding ritual a lot more verbal than I thought it would be. I mean, a little bit like when I was a kid and went to the, you know, Marine World, SeaWorld and Mm -hmm. like the dolphin show. I mean, there's a lot of prompts and stuff. Claude, smarter than I thought.
0: Oh, very smart. Yeah. So he does behavioral training with us and that's really important because um, he doesn't see well. So it's actually pretty much all um, auditory for him. Um, So that's why one of the reasons we do it before we're open because um, it gets really loud and we want to make sure that he's just hearing us so yeah he knows his name he knows a lot of different um commands um so that's what you were hearing this morning is all of um his training
1: a little more and i'm not sure the adjective so i'm just gonna say a little more puppy-like than i was (laughs) expecting from such a large reptile
0: yeah yeah sometimes i have to remind myself like this is a Dangerous animal, um, because yeah, he he. It's essentially like you would train your dog. Like you ask him to do something, and then he gets rewarded with um, his fish, which um, you
2: saw today.
1: Yeah, like your dog, except with eighty teeth. <laughs> yes, yes.
2: And it sounded like Claude Home was the main. Directive. And what does that mean? You kept saying, Claude, home, Claude, home. Mm -hmm. So, what we're looking for with that behavior is
0: for him to touch um, the tip of his nose, um, rostrum, if you want to be technical. And when he does that, immediately we we say, good, that's the bridge, so that he knows he did the right thing and he gets that fish right away. So we do a really quick, so he knows like, oh, that was a good thing that I just did.
1: Kind of like a pit crew out there. Um, (laughs) There's like four people, there's like a ladder guy, and then (laughs) someone dealing with the snapping turtles, and then like a couple people on Claude. And I, I, I was very relieved to see, because I've probably watched too many YouTube videos, that you did have like a metal thing in case mm-hmm. things get wild. Do things ever get wild?
0: Um, no, not that I've seen. Um, yeah, he's a pretty, he's pretty calm, docile. Um, you know, I think because he's relying on us um, for those auditory cues, um, he's just listening to that and... If he does get spooked, um, you mostly do see him just kind of go underwater. I've never seen him have an, like, act of aggression when we're in there.
1: I I still think, though, he might be playing the long game with you. And um, I just think, you know, it's been, he's been here how long?
0: Uh, He's been here about 15 years now.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking maybe he's just biding his time. So (laughs) you better keep holding that metal thing. Oh, yes.
2: That's always going to be in there. Yeah, we always go in as a team just in case. Good. I think 15 years makes him like a real San Franciscan now. Yes. Yeah. His rent has not gone up. So. <laughs> he has rent control? Yeah, he has rent control. That's good. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. Did you, as a little girl, aspire to work with albino alligators? Um, that, I never saw that coming. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, no, I um, I grew up sort of in the Monterey uh, area, and, you know, I spent a lot of time at that aquarium, and then I, I decided, like, yeah, I, I do. I want to work with animals in some way. You know, the weirder animals, the better. Um, so, yeah, I, I did. Th- I worked as a veterinary technician and I was like, okay, cats and dogs are cool, but I think I want to get more into like reptiles and I work with the penguins as well. So just, um, yeah, it's always been like a dream to work with animals, but I never saw myself being, you know, uh, Claude's main
1: trainer. <laughs> <laughs> you you must've been going to that aquarium all the time.
2: Yes. In Monterey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, Do they have any crazy animals like albino alligators? Um,
0: no, but I was always fascinated by the giant Pacific octopus, and I actually got to volunteer with them. And that they're like one of my favorite animals because they're like massive and, and very cool. So yeah, I've always been drawn to like the weirder animals. I would say.
1: <laughs> also at that um, at that uh, aquarium, arguably the greatest San Francisco movie of um, all time was filmed there, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Talking
2: about the Star Trek. Movie? Um, Oh, God. Yeah, Star Trek <laughs> we 4. fight in every episode because he loves Star Trek IV, and I think it's so boring. Some good CGI they put the whales in. Yeah, it's,
1: it's got a good environmental message there.
2: Yeah. Uh, he was yeah. just so eager for that entree to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> I set you up. <laughs> so tell us about your average day at the Academy. What does it look like? Yeah, so
0: I get here pretty early at 7, um, and then I start by just doing... Um, like morning checks on everyone. So I'm doing health checks on all the um, exhibits I oversee. So a lot of it's in the rainforest. Um, And then, you know, check on Claude this morning. He was on the rock, so he was, um, it was a colder morning. So he was a little bit slower to get in the water. Um, And then, yeah, throughout the day, I'm feeding lots of animals. um, And then the afternoon do some more health checks. And yeah, it's just constant cleaning, feeding, cleaning, feeding.
1: I don't remember Claude from the old Academy of Sciences and I was a regular as a school child and also like bringing kids here and bringing my own kids. Uh, I don't remember Claude. Where did he come from?
0: Yeah, so he came here in 2008, so um, you know, more recent, um, like when the Academy reopened, um, he was here. And so it's been 15 years, um, he came, uh, so he was originally, um, hatched in Louisiana on an, um, like an alligator ranch. Um, and then he made his way to Florida, um, to the St. Augustine, uh, alligator farm. And then in 2008, he actually, um, we purchased him from the alligator farm and that's when he came here. And you told
2: us he had quite the road trip to get here. Yes.
0: Yes. So, um, uh, Someone not from the Academy drove him from Florida to San Francisco, and I believe it took him four days, and he drove two alligators in the back of his truck um, in crates, and then um, we actually had Bonnie and uh, Claude here um, yeah. with Bonnie. Um, is not here anymore. She's somewhere else.
1: You know, that was my next question. Are we allowed to talk about Bonnie? <laughs> uh, Claude's old tank mate yeah, who just yeah. kind of disappeared.
2: <laughs> no. Did they get divorced? <laughs> um,
0: we no. don't talk about Bonnie. No, no. Yeah, so Claude used to live with Bonnie um, and it was just uh, a... <laughs> you know, it wasn't a good relationship. I think, um, since Claude doesn't see well, she kind of, um, picked on him. Um, there's the famous story about, you know, how he lost his toe. Um, so wait, bon- I don't know this story. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Bonnie did, um, bite him and he's actually missing a toe because oh my of that. Gosh. Um, yeah. So we just decided like it was better to just have the one alligator. So yeah, Bonnie, um, she lives somewhere else now. Um, she's Living it up. Um,
1: well, I, I had another alligator-related question. Um, when I came here, like, before the remodel, there were a lot of alligators. Where did they all go?
0: Um, I'm not sure I'm where uh, they all were relocated. Um, but if you do, yeah, look at old pictures of the swamp. There were, like, 20 alligators. Um, I definitely would not want to get in there. Um, yeah, they all were probably relocated to other uh, zoos or aquariums um
1: they're not still here
0: no
2: they're not still (laughs) here hiding in the basement No, (laughs) yeah so um you said claude is going to turn 28 this year yes what is the average life expectancy for an albino alligator
0: um so for um an alligator with albinism not very long like in um the wild because they um they're Easily detected by predators, so you'll mostly find them in um, other zoos and aquariums. Um, for uh, in human care, he'll probably get to be
2: about fifty. So wow, yeah. So San Franciscans will be with Claude for a long time. Yes, that's yes. awesome. So, other than being mostly blind and his striking look, does Claude have other differences from other alligators? Um, I think
0: something about him is he's, he's very patient, and that makes him. Very nice to train. Um, I think he he's a good listener. Um, <laughs> so uh, how can you tell? Uh, well, I haven't worked with other alligators, um, but I've I've worked with people who have, and they said, "Oh yeah, Claude is um, very um, sort of um, calm and and um, is easier to train." So um, we got lucky with Claude here. Mm-hmm.
1: He asks questions about you. He's not just a <laughs> he's leader. not just you. Know, he's you a know, good yeah. Listener. yeah
0: he's a good listener, Yeah, he's.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I, I was um, looking around in the archive, which digging I'm around. prone to do. Digging around, thank mm-hmm. you, in the archive. And just looking at the alligator history, they've been here since the aquarium opened in 1923. And they were a huge deal because... You know, the park here, there were goat rides. Um, The bison, I don't think, were here yet. And there were animals around, like little monkeys and stuff. But it was, like, a huge deal when, like, all these alligators Mm -hmm. showed up. Um, My favorite alligator stories are in 1962 when they had to redo the tank and then move them all, and they didn't know what to do with them. So there was talk, like, do we put them in fly pool or in Sutro (laughs) Uh baths, which were attractionists at the time. Instead, they built a... Uh, some kind of containment facility for them up in Marin, and apparently it just went haywire. Like, when they were transporting (laughs) them, like an alligator killed another alligator. Oh my gosh. Yeah, very horrible. They didn't want to replicate that, so in 82, when they had to do another tank repeat, um, they housed them at the Conservatory of Flowers, and I'm going to share the stories on our Twitter Um, That went great. Okay, yeah. Because no one was, and I should mention, and I remember this being a kid, people would, like, throw pennies at them. Like, it was, like, an accepted thing to do. So, like, they got, like, three weeks at the conservatory of flowers with, like, all the lilies there and stuff, Mm -hmm. and no one throwing change at them. And then up until the 70s and 80s, I mean, that was kind of going on, and then things got, I think, a little bit more humane (laughs) in the 90s, and people stopped throwing their money at them. Maybe that was a little less of, I don't know what kind of income stream that was for the Cal Academy, but...
0: Yeah, uh, we do get some occasional pennies. Um, oh,
1: people still do it? That, well, Is it like old people? who mm, Quentin Cop. Probably yeah, still yeah. Things,
0: I, so. I want to think it's accidental, but um, yeah, we mostly fall on the net. I have quite a collection of the smash pennies. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have heard stories, even, yeah, just like my mom growing up um, some of the things that uh, would happen. So yeah, we don't have that problem. We do have stuff that will fall onto the net, but I don't think people are in- intentionally doing it. I want to hope they're not.
1: I recently dropped my cell phone in the bay, oh. as <laughs> our podcast listeners know. And I was, anytime I'm near a body of water, like we were at the Anchor Brewing uh, facility I'm getting just, a tour and I'm just like holding my phone and anytime <laughs> I'm near a vat, do people drop their cell phones in there? Does that? What, what are some of the weirdest things people have dropped in that?
0: Yeah. Um, so we do have a few open top uh, exhibits here, and so lots of cell phones. I've never been here for a cell phone in um, Claude's uh, habitat. Um, mostly, it's going to be. Um, we've had like a, like a stuffed animal. Um, there was a shoe once. <laughs> um, anything that's falling in there is immediately uh, for us here a priority call because we do not want claude to eat anything that's um not his food um and since um basically anything that falls near you know his face he's gonna try to eat so please don't throw anything (laughs) in um but yeah i'd say like probably the weirdest thing is like a shoe um i bet sippy cups have flown in there yeah we got a lot of sippy cups Um, Yeah, during COVID, we or after COVID, we had a bingo where we would uh, keep track of the things we have to retrieve out of um, some of our open tops. We get a lot of sippy cups and shoes, little Crocs, they float. (laughs) Yeah, but not so much in the swamp.
1: Is it is there added pressure to keep Claude happy and healthy considering he's the face of the museum? I mean, he's on all the literature. I'm wondering if he gets like kind of the diva treatment.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot of pressure to take care of uh, one of the most iconic animals here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you saw this morning we were doing some um, enrichment with him where we were scrubbing the algae off of him because um, he gets little green algae in the cracks there. Um, and yeah, we, um, we do his physical every five years because it's a lot to um, get him out of
2: there. Um, How do you do an alligator physical? Yeah,
0: um, so we have a custom-built crate that we made in-house um, and we've actually trained him with those verbal commands to go in the crate. Um, so that's great because we don't have to, you know, put hands on him, he just goes on um, his own. And then we lift him out with a crane and then we actually wheel him down Nancy Pelosi. Oh my gosh, can (laughs) we come see this next time it happens? I mean, yeah, it'll be next year um, sometime. And yeah, we wheel him down Nancy Pelosi in his crate because um, that's the best way to go to the vet hospital that we have. Um, So if you're lucky and you happen to be walking by, you might have seen Claude. (laughs) That's also how he came into the academy um, from this back door that you came in. Um, and then we can't fit him in the hospital, so we actually do his exam um, in the hallway outside of the hospital. Where's the hospital? So it's, um, it's back of house, but um, we have, like, a back hallway. No, um, oh, it's here at the academy? Yeah, oh. yeah. So he rolls down the street, and then he goes down um, the the loading dock ramp where we get deliveries, and then he goes into um, the hallway where I'm, we do the exam. <laughs> I'm
1: imagining like that scene in Jurassic Park where they're all transporting the Velociraptor, and there's a bunch of people with the little sticks and stuff. What what do you do to keep yourself safe in that situation? Heavily sedated? Is he in a is he in a box or?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so he's in, he's in his crate, um, and there are little, like, peepholes we've made so we can check on him. There's, like, a window. We can see what he's doing. Um, so he's not sedated for that part, but for the exam, he'll be sedated um, just for our safety. Um, and, and, yeah, we, we do have all of our safety precautions. You know, you saw the shield pole. Um, we also have baffle boards. So those are just, like, big boards we put because his tail actually could probably
2: break your leg if he swung it at you. Yeah. yeah. Well, he seems pretty chill, but are you ever nervous or scared, you know, being near him? Yeah, when I first um,
0: was on the swamp team and I got down into the swamp, I was nervous. He's a lot bigger when you're next to him. Um, he's about 10 feet long right now. Um, and the more that I've worked with him, um, I've been more comfortable. Uh, but I, it's always in the back of my mind that he is a dangerous animal.
2: So we have to remember that when we work with him to never uh, let our guard down just in case. hmm And when are the best times for the public to see him and when does he tend to move or be more animated?
0: I'd say um, in the afternoon you might see him swimming around a little bit more when he warms up. The morning is his slower time. Mm -hmm. The winter is his slower time. Um, So the summer and the afternoon would probably be his most
2: active.
1: I have to say Claude, I've been watching him for a while, he has a lot of tank mates who seem a little lower on the food chain than him. (laughs) It, has he ever snacked on a turtle or those fish in there?
0: Um, we've seen him go for a fish. The fish has to be a little bit slower. Um, but, yeah, the turtles, they give it back. Like, they will bite the tip of his tail. Um, they don't bite his toe off, though, right? No. <laughs> it. Just Just, bond. just bond. <laughs> Um No. So, you know, uh, we've never had any extreme aggression against the turtles. They're kind of like... We just refer to them as roommates. You know, they're living in that space. They interact. Sometimes they don't interact. Um, sometimes, yeah, uh, Morla gets interested in the tip of his tail, but he'll quickly move it. So we, f- we haven't had any um, anything scary. It
1: sounds like the turtles are kind of assholes. I'm sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> I was observing.
0: Um, uh, they do what they want. Uh, they're definitely harder to uh, train than Claude. Like I said, Claude. Uh, is very smart and listens. The turtles choose to participate in training um, and sometimes they choose not to and go off and do what they want. Um, So this morning, I think we had a pretty good training session, so
2: that's good. Mm -hmm.
1: That was very diplomatic. Yes.
2: (laughs) Well, you've survived our very serious questions and now it's time for the lightning round. We usually ask people to name their favorite spot in a city to get a burrito, but I'm assuming Claude doesn't eat burritos. So what is his favorite food? Yeah, I would say his favorite fruit food is a whole trout. Okay. And how did he handle the pandemic? Did he retreat into himself or was he bored? Um, I think Claude
0: thrives in the quietness. So, he, you know, he was having a good time here, um, just hanging out on his rock. Um, but we were made sure to give him enrichment and feed him on Wednesdays. So it was familiar with his schedule. So... He probably missed you guys. He had, he had more <laughs>
1: time, so did he do like Duolingo and learn a language? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you do not even Did he binge on that. Netflix? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no.
2: Um, how do kids usually respond to Claude? I could see them being really scared or really into him. Oh, Claude! The kids love Claude,
0: and um, yeah, I actually have a. Uh, One of my cousins that lives in Oregon, she's, like, obsessed with Claude. Like, she was obsessed with Claude when she was, like, very young. And I find that funny because he's (laughs) big and,
2: you know, could be scary. But kids love him. Yeah. Besides the ones we've asked today, what is the weirdest question you've ever gotten about Claude? Oh, um, the one I always get is, is he real? (laughs) He does sound very still.
0: Yeah, every time I'm up there, is he real? And I'm like, Yes. No. Yeah, no. We move him
2: around every day. You know, <laughs> you pick him up. No, he is that very would be real. a scam. Are you announcing here <laughs> that <laughs> that is a robot albino <laughs> People, blo- there is. I feel like there is
0: a conspiracy theory that he's not real. Okay,
1: but but there is there are animals here that aren't real, right? Is it the stingrays or are they drones? <laughs> they're,
0: they're all real.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll we'll get that conspiracy theory later. <laughs>
2: If Claude could say anything to Total SF listeners, what would he tell us? Um, Claude gets a lot
0: of fan mail, so he wants to thank everyone for his <laughs> fan mail and any of the fan mail that will come in after this because he's quite an iconic uh, San Francisco creature. But, yeah, he um, he thanks everyone for his fan mail. He gets a lot of drawings. Wow. Yeah, we love it. What do the fans tell him? Um, well, he has... Um, There's a children's book about him, Um, so I think a lot of um, classrooms read that, and then they'll write um, him uh, letters about, you know, it's okay to look different, Um, Uh and uh, yeah, great pictures of him. Um, Yeah, we get lots of great
2: art. That's great. I keep it all. (laughs) Well, it was so fun to see Claude eating and to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you.
1: And be careful because Claude's playing the long game, (laughs) I'm telling you.
2: (laughs) I I don't think so.
1: Well, just just in case. Just in case. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music today is from the Sunset Shipwrecks, Castro organ player David Hegarty, and cable car bell ringing from eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a Digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This